It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born Well, it's Halloween, folks. Well, not yet, but the entire month's going to be this way. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was out to the mall today, and I just want to wish the listeners a Merry Christmas, <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Apparently, by uh, today's standards, you gotta got to get in early on that shit. So it's not even Halloween yet, and here we are. It's not even Toyota-thon yet, and these <laughs> sons of bitches are <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Congratulations there. Folks, you already know the deal. Um, if you don't, then you tuned into a very weird one. But, you know, this is what we like to do every month of October here on a show called American Loser. My name is KP Burke. I'm a local New Jersey comedian. I remind myself of that all the time because those New York City cats, they, uh, they he, act he like- He was a Jersey guy. He's just a He's Jersey guy. He's the Jersey guy. guy. I told you, there is a follow-up story to that one too, by the way. Uh, just happened recently. Um, but my name is KP Burke, and we do love doing the show. We are in year four of American Loser. Here with me, as always, is my dolph of a dad. Say hello, Lawrence Patrick. Hey, how are everybody doing today? Are we all good? Oh, man. Look, and, uh, and by the way, uh, of course, behind the ones and twos, none other than the esteemed, the honorable doctor. <laughs> doctor. The venerated, the doctor of the venerated Big Kahuna. <laughs> doctor Big Kahuna. I like that. <laughs> you know what's you know what's funny too? I met uh well not met I I was hanging out with Covert yesterday, recording a podcast with him, and one of his buddies had the nerve to come up to me and be like, Hey, I like your nickname, but I want to change it. Be like, how the fuck? How do, I, I don't even know you and you want to change my nickname. You know what you say when what? when it's time for that? It, 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 it's literally it's two words. Fuck it, off. Actually, no, no, no. You know what? <laughs> We have to expand the vocabulary here for you, for for the big guy that Kahuna is. Anytime somebody tries to tell you uh, something like that, they're going to change your name or that you didn't do a good job. You have a three, three word sentence that you put together. It's clobbering time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Larry oh, Burke, shit. my dilf of a dad, is here. He's wearing one of his uncomfortable but warm Irish sweaters. There you go. Okay. Uh, the Kahuna's here in the studio. We're live at a Shared Universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey, where Ming is taking great care of us. We love you, Ming Chen. Thank you for everything that you do. Uh, please acknowledge the show. Ming. Please acknowledge the show. <laughs> <laughs> I see you liking I Love Rock and Roll's Facebook posts and not mine. All right, Ming? Is it because I called you talentless that one episode? I didn't mean it. Still love you. <laughs> Ming, talk to me. Uh, we're trying to be lighthearted here because we're about to get spooky. It's spooky season, Kahuna. Oh, God. Yeah, I forget. Are. This is October. It is. And loser. Like it's nightmare of, time. We like to do four episodes exclusively on uh, weird stuff from kind of haunted history. That was Kerry Burke and I's favorite uh, thing to watch in the History Channel was uh, when haunted history would come on. And inevitably, it would be the most enthralling thing to watch when you were watching it in the moment. And then what would happen inevitably, Dad? This, we're talking young grade school uh yeah there would be a there would be uh, dues to be paid for for, for the oh, allowing yeah. the children to uh, watch that stuff and then uh what would happen it would be uh you'd be sitting there late at night and all of a sudden you're just like you know that thing that didn't scare me earlier it's very <laughs> yeah. much scared me now it's terrifying right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
But before we get into Dad, that, Dad, will you check the closet? <laughs> <laughs> See, now what I do as a responsible gun owner is I search and clear my own house before I go to bed every night. <laughs> there you go. Do the sweep. Dad, will you check the closet? There's no one in there, KP. Only room. Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one in the closet. Really? Because the kid down the street, his brother says he's in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> no one in there kp no one except tom cruise there you go <laughs> uh we're laughing ahead of time because this one's a little spooky here folks and it's real so uh we're gonna get into uh get down to brass it's real right this one's real factual um, it's uh, well we don't cover bullshit stories here we cover real stuff from history and it's a documented historical uh, uh occurrences that we're gonna be talking about here today so Ong's hat part that, two. Oh, it's uh, it's even weirder. And I've gotten a couple of nice messages about the Ong's hat episode. From what dimension, we do not know. Um, but that being said, we are going to cover this topic here in earnest. However, we have to get a couple of housekeeping items out of the way. Number one, uh, there is a very, very important comedy special out called Escape from Jacksonville, directed by Christian Cordez, whoever the hell that is. Uh, performed by K.P. Burke, written uh, by K.P. Burke, uh, starring K.P. Burke. Um, but more importantly, directed by Christian Cordez and filmed at Kevin Smith's Modcastle. And that is teetering. Uh, we're, we're hitting pretty good numbers on YouTube on that. Do me a favor. Check out the clips. Share them around if you can here. We're getting a second life on that one because uh, the end of the year awards are coming in for comedy albums and a couple other uh, uh, higher esteemed uh, uh, institutes are taking a look at it for uh, year end awards. And the better the numbers look, the better we can do in the popularity contest that is the world of art. That being said. Also, we have uh, the – this episode is only here because of the good people over at the Founding Losers. You guys take wonderful care of us. Thank you so much for as little as $3 a month. Honest to God, that's it. As little as $3 a month. My boy, Prete Gosh. All right, our boy, Jake Perro, who I saw at the, the gym the other day. Um, I've had so many people that have either recognized me from stand-up, uh, from uh, doing the podcast or anything like that. And they all love the show. And everybody asks me the same thing. It's never – they, they never want to take a picture with me. They never want to, hey, what are your upcoming dates? They're always, they want to ask about my dad or the kahunas. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have a fun thing going here, man. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, obviously a lot of people have complimented the chemistry on the show. And uh, we only get to continue doing this and building this chemistry and literally hanging out with two people that I love and adore. Uh, on a weekly basis because of people that don't. <laughs> Only on a weekly basis? Huh? Weekly basis. Once a weekly. week. All right. We're going to start bringing Kahuna over for football on Sundays, I there think. So, um, All right. He's such a big football fan. It's only right. <laughs> Again, <laughs> S-P-O-R-T-S. That's about all I know. <laughs> That's the end of it. Oh, man. So I'm going to ask, uh, as we get into uh, the zeitgeist here for this one, this one's uh, a little bit spooky here. And I'm going to borrow a little bit from a great, wonderful podcast that really helped inspire me for what I wanted to do. Um, I love rock and roll doesn't listen to us, <laughs> God damn it! Have you ever heard of the show Lore, uh, Kona? Lore? Yes. L-O-R-E. Yes, you, you put me on that show. Yeah, great show. Season one was done as like a podcast and visual hybrid, which I think is really a great um, – Yeah, season uh, one was great. What the hell happened with season two? Season two, they tried to go uh, American Horror Story. And it's like, listen, I love goth girls as much as anybody, but you can't give them exactly what they want. You got to sometimes – uh, you know, sometimes you, you gotta cater towards uh, the fellas a little bit here. Want. Now, Larry Burke, um, do you want me to ask you about what you're writing down right now? No, it's okay. All right. <laughs> no, just when you told me the topic uh, this week, well, I'll let you introduce the topic, and then I'll tell you where my mind went first. Ah, uh -huh, okay. Do you want to give? Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's let's hit our resident musician here. Give Ooh. me a, give me a spooky sound, will you, Cahoons? <laughs> 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 
There you go. I just just add some reverb after that. Later. Now it's yeah. official, folks. Now it's official. Welcome to American Who's uh, American Loser. American uh, Hoosier. Starring <laughs> American Hoosiers out here in Indiana. Darkness falls across the podcast land. <laughs> the midnight hour is close at hand. Stormy night. It is a good one, man. I do love telling these stories. And the fact that it's been rainy all week here in Jersey only helps, which is why we're going to get to the zeitgeist. But before the zeitgeist, the sooner zeitgeist? I don't know, Dad. Forwards, backwards, time is irrelevant ever since our Ong's Head episode. But I'll tell you this much. On April 24th, 1880, there was a phenomenon of mysterious knocking sounds coming from a home in Springfield, Tennessee. Oh, God. The knockings caused quite a stir in town, and once word got around about the series of knocking sounds coming from a possibly haunted house, people began camping out overnight on property in hopes of hearing some sort of mystic sounds from the great beyond, despite the protests of the homeowners, mind you, all right? So imagine that. You're sitting there. You think you have a haunted house right now, and then people are sitting there like, hey, we heard your house is haunted, man. Yeah. Want a tour. That's pretty (laughs) rad, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Can you please go away? I think there's a poltergeist trying to kill my wife in her sleep. No, man, we're selling T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. so, now, um, that's a little bit unnerving alone, you know what I mean? To hear these weird, mysterious knockings at night, especially in a house. And keep in mind, this is 1880. This is uh, – the Civil War is a recent memory. I think we're a little earlier than that, Kev. Oh, Lawrence Patrick. Yeah. 1880 is when this particular thing happened here. Now, what we're going to go back to – Oh, all right. Okay. There's a hearkening. The, the initial. Okay. Yes. All right. All yeah, right. see, you're hanging out with uh, two two people that work in film, so we're like to yeah, tell layered I know, story. I know. <laughs> we like to tell the ending first, then the middle a little yeah, later. Yeah, I know all yeah. your famous directors. Well, this uh, <laughs> this particular uh, story is taking place in 1880, so you are correct here. And the house in question belongs to a local doctor named John Knuckles and his wife Laura. Okay, the marriage was not a happy one, and some claim that the knockings were actually Laura's own making. This was never proven, though that people thought that she was making the knocking sounds at night in order to show some sort of a protest towards the marriage. So what would be proven, however, is that the events of this haunted house would cause a deep, deep rift into the Knuckles family. Knuckles, by the way, N-U-C-K-O-L-L-S. So uh, now the in-laws, okay, so this is actually uh, Laura's family here. They were already opposing the marriage in the first place. Yeah, they didn't quite get along. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) And uh, the idea here is that a paranormal uh, occurrences that are going on inside this residence is only going to cause a rift uh, deeper into the marriage. As it deteriorates rather quickly, uh, events will come into fruition that will actually see Laura leaving John and taking their young child back to her parents, which keep in mind for the 1880s, Pretty much unheard of. Yeah, going back to mother. Yeah, you don't do that. You, you, nowadays, I'm not. I'm not bashing women here, but nowadays women will, you know, tell you to go sleep on the couch for a couple of days because you forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer. You know what I mean? So yeah. back then it was a it was a little bit more unheard of to uh, to to go into public, if you will, to be seen in public, uh, knowing that your marriage was deteriorating. Or oh, did you know that uh, Laura's come home with her child and the husband is not with her? So lots going on here. And by the way, Dr. John Knuckles is not going to tolerate this whatsoever. There's actually a horrifying scene all through town. And keep in mind, this is in Springfield, Tennessee, where uh, a shrieking, screaming uh, Laura is going to be following him through town as he by force has taken his child back. Okay, so he comes in, grabs the kid and is walking away with the child here. And now the screaming woman's behind, come back with my baby kind of a thing. A little bit terrifying, a little bit upsetting. Definitely not a great look for her. And especially since the marriage didn't start off on the best of terms anyway. So... All of that leads up to this. Um, when you start to make a, a bit of a scene over here and the question of a woman's honor comes into question, uh, there's going to be a fight. 
There's going to be a fight inevitably here. And again, this is 1880 in Springfield, Tennessee, and you're adding in this extra paranormal dimension of these haunted knockings that are going on throughout the house. And it does lead to a confrontation of Knuckles, Dr. Knuckles here, and his brother-in-law. According to witnesses, Knuckles actually attempts to shoot his estranged brother-in-law after his brother-in-law makes a comment about how, well, you know, these knockings, that's really your fault. That's the devil coming for you because you're no good, you know, and you've done these bad things to my sister here. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> Shaming the family. Well, little did he know, Kahuna, he was knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Oh, God, <laughs> no! <laughs> so uh, Dr. Knuckles actually raises a firearm in an attempt to shoot his brother-in-law for making these wild accusations here. And what winds up happening is he's restrained, but then the next day, um, Laura's brother, okay, so that uh, goes and decides, he goes, listen, this doc, you tried to kill me. You're pulling all this bullshit. You're, you know, stealing my nephew and running around through town. You're ruining my sister's good name. You painted her name up on a water tower, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he actually takes a double-barreled shotgun and unloads both barrels into Dr. Knuckles. Dr. Knuckles is no more. His brother-in-law uh, brother kills him. Uh, the haunted knockings of the Knuckles house will also now mysteriously go away. Upon the death of Dr. Knuckles, was Dr. Knuckles haunted from beyond the grave, or perhaps was all this done in protest to a marriage under duress? So, the knockings may have gone away, but not before taking the life of Dr. John Knuckles with it. And it's a strange uh, that this mysterious apparition in the unhappy family life and more drama uh, not only is something that the entire town of Springfield, Tennessee, is almost like, well, this is unbelievable, this is great, this is quality entertainment, this is what we've been it's looking really for, all right? You can either go down to the Nickelodeon here in about 20 years, or you can go see these mysterious yeah, knock knockings. Down, drag them out. Yeah, so. <laughs> but uh, here's what's a little bit creepy about the whole thing, Dad. This is why we're telling a story from 1880 right now. It's because people who'd lived long enough would sit there and they would say, you know, we talk about movies being rebooted left and right or uh, this new, uh, I can't believe they're, they're rebooting this. Why would you do a sequel to that so many years later? But there's a bit of a sequel to this weird story about the knocking sounds at night. The good people of Tennessee remembered they said this Knuckles incident here with these uh, Springfield knockings at night, it kind of reminds us of the story of today's American loser, the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch. Now, Lawrence Patrick. Yeah, when you first said Bell Witch, I thought, is wait, that, wait a minute. Is that Ming Chen and Drag? <laughs> oh, my. The, the Bell yeah. Works Witch. <laughs> the Bell Works Witch, <laughs> Ming Chen and Drag. Oh, um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Talk, talk to us, Cohen, about your boss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I heard nothing. I know nothing. No, okay, there we go. Uh, I'll tell you what. That's the one nice thing about this place is that uh, it would be spooky if we were at the old Eatontown location and we did a haunted episode and then we had to walk through that terrifying building where the lights flicker off every now and then. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so thankfully, Ming's up on the rent over here at the Bellworks and we get to walk outside to a beautiful place with a nice piano playing, a lot of good looking people. All right, a lot of uh, in-shape people, some people walking dogs, stuff like that, a couple of MILFs. Um, but the Bell family witch here is actually a cursed thing. Now, I know you wanted to sneak that good joke in, Dad. By the way, that was a quality joke. Man, you right? like that one? <laughs> that was a good one. But when yeah, you first heard you. Bell witch, what else were you thinking aside from Ming Chen and fishnets? <laughs> oh, no. Ming Chen on a broom? I don't know. <laughs> um, 
No, I really didn't know that much about the the, uh, the Bell Witch until we started doing some research. So once again, uh, you know, a little known incident, but uh, turns out that the, the Bell Witch is probably one of the uh, America's greatest ghost stories. It has it certainly long, long timey uh, qualities to it. That uh, you know, we had the the Salem witches, but uh, who predated the uh, the Bell Witch. But uh, this is one witch that I wasn't that all that familiar with. This one's a very creepy one too, so uh, we're gonna see we're gonna see what we can do because uh, Kahuna's good with voices. We'll see what he can come up with <laughs> for a couple of these. We're gonna tinker around with this. It is we're, we're telling a horror story. We're trying to be funny too. We're also trying to educate. We do a little too much over here on the show. You guys know that already. So very hard to categorize this podcast, but in order to tell this story, um, and there is historical context for this too, because the book is actually written uh, about this. Um, this one's interesting. This book comes out in uh, 1894. It is called An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. Now, what follows here is a complex story. You cannot exactly trust what you read. Mm -hmm. You have to put a little bit of yourself into the zeitgeist to have any chance of hoping to make some sense of this. And as always, folks, we have um, the loser trains rolling. You tell us what station you want to get off at. All right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but – now leaving on track one. <laughs> so you tell us what you want to decide. If you want to be a skeptic, you can. If you want to be a true believer, you can. Okay, so Deb P., Deb Potts, our good friend out there. Uh, I know she's going to write me some good notes about this one. She always does. Uh, Stu and Nick, you guys have been here for too, too long. You guys know exactly what's about to happen. Our boy Prete Gosh over in uh, India, he's actually got something very interesting too because um, there's uh, there's actually a uh, um, Miss Koi Koi is a, a demonic entity that I wound up reading about. Um, that I believe haunts uh, certain parts of India and also Africa. So, Prete, first of all, I hope I'm saying your name right, my brother. All right, I really do. And uh, I love that you love the show and keep in touch with us. If I ever get some comedy shows over in India, you know you're coming and I'm <laughs> paying for go. those tickets. All right. But uh, Miss Koi Koi was a, a very uh, strange and puzzling demonic entity that I did not want to read about alone in my house at 3 o'clock in the morning. But this story, this story right here, again, from the authenticated history of the Bell Witch, written by – and here's a name for you, Dad – Martin Van Buren Ingram. Yeah, so, Martin Van Buren Ingram, who um, lived in the area in which the Bell Witch took place in and around the uh, general location of uh, eastern Tennessee. Yes, sir. Also a Civil War veteran, too. I don't know if you yeah. picked up on yes, that. Yes, he was. And he, uh, he had some complicated health and stuff like that as well. But uh, he was a pretty beloved and respected guy. So what I think he did here, he kind of did something similar to uh, – it's kind of similar to what we're doing here, where it's uh, he understands that he has to sell copy on this. He also wants to tell the story. And he's also going to offer some interesting, uh, hey, maybe I'm going to print the legend in this part here, but maybe there's an explanation for this here. So he's actually compiled. He really wrote um, what some people would debunk as historical fiction. And others would say, well, this is this is journalism. He's collecting the story as it was happening. Yeah. Is it folklore? Is it is it historical fiction? Is it just a, a novel? It, you know, what what exactly is? It, it's is a all weird topic, so, right? You know, so that um, there's nothing hard and fast as far as documentation on this uh, other than this other than this book that is written by a newspaper editor, Martin Van Buren Ingram. So and, you know, like you say, is he trying to just sell newspapers because uh, – Certainly, if you are running a newspaper in, in that locale, uh, people are going to be interested in, uh, you know, uh, a witch from that same locale. So, You could print a uh, – if we had a story of the, the Bell Works witch, if you wrote a horror novel, if you will, or spun a yarn, if you will, Dad, uh, like the great uh, uh, Trip Schweikart used to around a, a campfire. <laughs> there you go. So um, 
if you were to spin that story now and then 70 years later, somebody tried to write a book about it, that's kind of what happened over here. So this book, like I said, comes out in 1894, but the story truly begins in 1817. So Kahuna, we're going to throw to you for a couple of creepy voices here in a little bit. So just, just be, uh, I know you're, you're. I'm beyond standby. (laughs) (laughs) See, you give me, you can't give me. Can't give me too much room, man. <laughs> you have to, it's, that's the problem with Kahuna. You have to uh, you have to channel his creative energies. <laughs> Channeling? Uh-oh. 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 Fuck. <laughs> Stop using the words. That's, that <laughs> actually, uh, a little shiver went up my spine on that one, Lawrence Patrick. Not bad. Like I said, this story particularly, and again, the book is in 1894, but the story begins in 1817. And uh, our, uh, our central uh, male character here, if you will, is a gentleman by the name of John Bell. And what we always say on American Loser Dad, if they name it after you, it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. The Bell family witch is about to come in here. So I think John might have some shit coming up. As well. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the head of the household, if you will. Um, and John Bell r- originally started, I believe, in North Carolina. But then uh, uh, through marriage and, and moving the family, he ends up in, uh, in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, that particular part of the country at that time – Again, the zeitgeist. You're on. You're on the frontier. I mean, there's not a whole lot out there, uh, and you're one of the earlier, uh, early arrivals, if you will, to that to that yeah, territory. Daniel Boone is essentially. Uh, I, you could liken him to Neil Armstrong at this point. That he went where? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, so again, 1817 is your timestamp for here, folks. And uh, John Bell has settled uh, into this area known as um, Adams. It's now the town of Adams, Tennessee. Which, by the way, I looked it up. I think the population of the town in 2020 census is 650 people. Small yeah. town. Well, if we get all of them to listen to this episode, it'll still be a failure. <laughs> <laughs> I need the numbers up, folks. Tell your friends about this show so I can keep doing it. Um, but Adams is actually along the Red River over in Tennessee. And on one particular night in 1817, John will notice a strange-looking animal that, according to John, resembled a kind of dog-like creature. So he sees this weird creature on the outskirts of the property. And what does he do? Again, it's – it's uh, like you said, Dad. The, the pitchfork. Uh, pitchfork <laughs> would be good. Or or if you're a frontiersman and you style yourself a little bit of a Daniel Boone type fellow, which I think John Bell does because he's a tough man. Anybody on that part of the territory is oh, yeah. going to be uh, mm-hmm. self-sufficient, if you will. And not for nothing, if you're on th- – that's the person's property as well. Nobody should be there that's not accounted for. Everyone's an intruder until they're not, you know. So uh, he actually takes a shot at this this weird demonic dog figure, if you will. And uh, much to his chagrin, not only does he not hit the thing, it seems to disappear as soon as he fires the shot. So um, now that seems to be like, you know, just a strange incident. That's like, what the hell? It's life on the frontier. What are you going to do out here? Um, but days later, John's son, Drew – and he's got a big family here as well. Drew will actually approach uh, what he describes as a strange-looking bird. There's a strange-looking bird that he walks towards. Now, you see a bird and you walk towards the thing. It's sitting there on your, your uh, fence post of your family's house, right? And you walk towards the bird and you're like, this is a weird-looking bird. Did I just discover a new species or something? And then to Drew's horror, the bird actually begins to fly away. Right, But as it's flying away, it flies towards him and it gets bigger in size each and each time it's getting closer. So what looks like a little tiny, maybe the size of a pigeon, it's all of a sudden the size of a man as it approaches you and flies away. And you're like, all right. Um. Yeah. And those of the supernatural call that as a shape shifter Ooh. that you're able to uh, 
you know, conjure up that kind of a thing. And yeah, I mean, again, this is, this is the frontier. Um, John with his wife, um, uh, Lucy, uh, end up in what is what now becomes known as Robertson County, Tennessee in 1804. And they have nine kids. So, I mean, you know, making kids is mm-hmm. uh, a way of survival because now you got- And plus you're bored. There's no Netflix. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no TV. There's no cable. Um, but anyhow, he's got nine kids and, uh, um, you know, they've got a pretty sizable uh, spread there on the, on the Red River in, in Tennessee. Um, and it's you know it's hard scrabble. It's 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 not. I shouldn't say hard scrabble. They're they're pretty well off if by the standards of the of the times of the of the locale. But uh, you know, nine kids. It's a big family, and there's a number of old time early settlers within within that uh, Robertson County. So like everybody knows everybody. It's not like yes. you know. Good point. If you're coming from a town of six hundred people. Uh, it's by 2020 standards. By 2020 standards, <laughs> you can imagine what it was back in uh, 1804, 1817, because they were there since 1804. But now, 1817, some strange phenomenon starts to uh, take place. So that's already two strange incidences already. So John's fired a shot at something that disappeared in the night that didn't seem to have a, an earthly shape, and now this weird bird figure, shapeshifter, whatever you want to call it, a specter. Um, that gets bigger. <laughs> yeah, it just scares the shit out of poor young Drew. And um, now finally- Poor uh, young Drew, poor young me, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now uh, a man named Dean, by the way, who, and you did mention earlier, Dad, the family was well off. The Bell family did own slaves, okay? And this one particular fellow named Dean, who was uh, a slave, he would go visit his wife at night and he would give reports back to the Bell family. He'd go, Mr. Bell, I every night when I go to visit my wife, this- terrifying black dog figure follows me and I just barely get away from it every night. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it, it, it's, you know, he's scared. He's freaked out here. And the fact that this, um, that this is an, you know, a, a family slave, if you will, is also saying the same thing. Now, this is what I like to think about too, just for the time frame. Uh, the power of the subconscious mind is, uh, is pretty remarkable. So if you believe in something long enough, uh, I, I do believe you can manifest things. Now, there's no TV. There's no – this is a, a, a religious-based background over here. Every Sunday, these uh, folks, uh, whether they're slaves, whether they're uh, slave owners, anything like everybody's going to church. They're going to different types of churches. But what's the imagery that's always conjured up? It's This is not um, happy, uh, jean-wearing, praise band Jesus. This is old school. You're going to burn. Right. This is fire and brimstone. Live right. right. This is fire and brimstone. There's, there are not too many guitar players at uh, – this particular no, service. Sir. No, sir. This is <laughs> yeah. a scary one. No yeah. gospel, no the, fun. Uh, yeah. There's no, no gospel. We're not having the fun music yet. The Armenians haven't shown up and put on a little pageantry. All right. <laughs> it's, um, so it's scary. So I think that this is everyone's um, latent fear, if you will, is all kind of based off the same imagery that's being conjured up by the ministers on Sundays. So it's it's pretty nerve wracking that, you know, this vicious black dog thing, these weird creatures and all that other stuff. Um yeah, so, now go, going back to uh, uh, the slave uh, named uh, Dean. It was a Bell slave. It, it was a, Dean was a slave that was a slave to the Bell family. Um, there's various reports, and again, we're going back to the authenticated history of the Bell witch, uh, written by 
uh, Martin Van Buren Ingram uh, publisher, you know, <laughs> at all. But uh, um, according to reports, Dean would see this uh, wolf, this large black dog or whatever, and sometimes uh, with no head, sometimes with two heads, <laughs> um, oh, sometimes. And then he was also reporting that um, whatever this thing was, what this witch uh, would uh, turn him into a mule and then turn him back into a man again type of a thing. So, you know, there was uh, there was some weirdness going on for sure. It's the damnedest thing, sir. Every time I smoke this weird little leaf thing, I've been... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I found some really good mushrooms out in the woods, but... Oh, uh... man. No, it has to be terrifying. And again, when all these stories seem to uh, authenticate one another... This is going to lead us into, um, unfortunately, the central figure of the story, uh, Bell's daughter, John Bell's daughter. He's got a large family, like you said, Deb, but there's one daughter in particular named Betsy. She is the central figure. She is the uh, uh, hero, victim, villain of the story, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, she's got a little bit of uh, – she's going to see something that starts off innocently enough but is a little bit of uh, – uh, an inkling, Problematic. if you will. Oh, she's <laughs> yeah. going to have... Um, Cause for concern. <laughs> you don't know when something terrible uh, is about to continue for you. You don't know when it's uh, at its moment of inception. And unfortunately for young Betsy here, um, her moment of inception is when she looks outside one day and sees a young girl in a green dress uh, just swinging from one of the limbs in the tree. Now, I didn't have it in my mind. My horror mind is we're scared here researching this at the middle of the night. Uh, my mind is uh, that, that she's hung from the tree and you know dead. Um, but uh, let's be a little bit more on it. It was probably more innocent. It was probably like a young girl was playing out there and Betsy's like, oh, a young girl to go play with. A rope swing. Except she's not there. Yeah. She's not there. Um, the Bell Witch now, uh, as we're going to start to refer to it, will begin to make its appearance in 1817. Now, Kahuna, let me ask you this. If you had to have a paranormal experience, mm-hmm. how long would you want it to last? And we've covered on this show before that you've had <laughs> – some potential paranormal experiences. Potential. Uh, yes, I, 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 I've had. I know you have. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to disrespect it either. Too. No, it's all good. Uh, how long would I want it to last? Yeah, on average. Um, like uh, <laughs> it depends who's visiting. I think depends you know? who's visiting. <laughs> yeah, right. Like if it's if it's like my dad or my uncle, I'd be like, "Yo, party! Let's hang out for the evening. What's good?" <laughs> and then let me catch it on film so I can make a bunch of money. Yeah, and then a, a Beetlejuice factor. Yeah, right? but if it was, but if it was some demonic shit, less than thirty seconds, please. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, like, folks. Like, like a jump scare life. A jump scare life. Yeah, that's. To, I'll tell you what, that might even be too long for a guy like me. Um, but all of that, like you, um, like you mentioned here, Cahoons, mm-hmm. it's. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say five years is too long for a paranormal. Five years. <laughs> The Bell Witch will begin to make its appearance and haunt and uh, terrify the Bell family and surrounding people in the area from 1817, uh, and it's going to last the next five years until 1821. So wait, what exactly is the Bell? Is it the girl in the green dress, or is it Kahuna, a mixture of the bird? Sometimes you ask questions on this show that even I don't have the answers to. <laughs> wait, what the fuck? I'm so- okay. Yeah, it was, it was, sometimes it it, it it had an appearance. Sometimes it was just a voice because it got to the point where um, this strange phenomenon, you would ask it questions and the voice would talk back to you. So there's nothing uh. there, but you're hearing... You're hearing the voice. And this is inside a house. Sometimes, or as I said, sometimes it was like a big black dog. 
Sometimes it was like a large black wolf. Sometimes it had no head. Sometimes it had two heads. Sometimes it was turning um, human beings into mules. Sometimes it would know things that only uh, certain people would know. So you can actually see where this story, again, printed in in print in the 1800s, taking place in the early 1800s. You can see so many modern horror movies and horror, horror stories borrowed heavily from this. Right. Now, again, Ingram is writing about this and it's published in 1894, but he's writing about things that happened 70 years prior. 18, 18, uh, 1817. Correct. So he's, he's doing it on, uh, folklore or, uh, recall of, uh, some of the elders in the area kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. So he's, you know, storytellers, that kind of a thing. So, uh, yeah, but uh, different. It's going to get stranger as we as we go a little deeper here. Get your voice ready, Kahuna, because sometimes, like I said, uh. the the creature would know things that only certain people would know. So imagine you turn out the lights at night and you just hear a voice say, "What happened to the highest score, Christian?" Uh, oh my Why haven't you called Ernie? I don't like that voice at all. <laughs> what, like, what's wrong? Uh, fucking take the headphones off. <laughs> Oh, it's it's no, Halloween like, you month. You don't folks. understand. Like that's the type of voice that actually would kind of send a, a sh- uh, There's only there's a there's a wave in my head that if I heard this particular voice just disembodied, like it would f- freak me the hell out, and it would be kind of high pitched and just kind of sound with the wind. What are you doing, KP Puck? Well, it is kind what of a female doing, voice. Too, loser. So. There is a female voice yeah. as well. And by the way, just to try to dismantle, yeah, I know that that voice upset a couple of people. Please know this. All right. <laughs> um, that's not a scary voice. That's just me doing, you don't always die from tobacco. <laughs> See, I thought it was, I thought it was paging Mr. Herman from Huey's Big Adventure. <laughs> I'll take either or. Oh man, but I five years of being see. I've read stories where people have had hauntings that lasted long fucking time, and they just they look awful. They just look drained of life, oh, yeah. ready to die. I'm dealing with one right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm teasing, but I will say this: five years is t- way way too long on this one. And you'll also, it's kind of funny. There is a way to to find some humor in this. There's also ways to be scared shitless. I mentioned Beetlejuice earlier. It is kind of like accepting that you're living with a paranormal thing here in this house because the Bell family can't just get up and uproot themselves and move, especially not from these weird things they can't exactly prove. So I'm going to get into that here in a second. But again, five years is way, way, way too long. And also there is something, if you want to take the piss out of it a little bit, uh, to borrow a quote from our British friends, um, (laughs) that there is kind of a thing where you can just picture – People being fed up with like, listen, entity, I got a big day tomorrow. All right. I need you to fuck off right now. I got <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> yeah. All right. But this Bell family witch here is a strange but not altogether uh, – it's kind of hard to, to really – this is the beginning. Okay. This is the beginning. But it's already unsettling. And the initial contacts are from outside the house. Okay. Again. Yeah. The, the uh, girl outside on, on the swing. Oh, yeah. And that kind of thing. It was all outside. And then knocking on the door and, and – Strange noises seem to be from from outside. Out of nowhere, someone knocks on the door. <laughs> and there's no one around. There's no neighbors. If your neighbors do show up, they're usually carrying a candle or a torch of some sort at night to come by. Uh, and by the way, this 
this thing's now going to start to appear inside the house. And like you were saying, Dad, there's going to be different things going on here. Strange sounds begin coming from within inside the house. The knocking sounds of unknown origins. The sounds of wild animals fighting. Chains being dragged across the floor late at night. And gnawing sounds and furniture will horrify the Bell family as these things only seem to happen as all the candles and the fire in the house are put out at night. So now while the other Bell children, uh, they are all admitted to uh, having um, things weird, ha- weird, strange things happening to them. Like uh, imagine having your bed sheets pulled off you at night, Kahuna. There you are asleep in the bed and all of a sudden. That's that's like one of my deepest fears. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, man. Yep. Just Especially when you don't see what did it. Uh, well, there's uh, there's some creepy stuff, too, because you'll, you'll sit there and you'll convince yourself, oh, that was just a dream. And then that would be a nice thing if you were Betsy Bell. Um, you would love to be able to say it was just a dream until, unfortunately, Betsy Bell, who we say, again, is the hero, villain, victim here of this story. Um, she seems to be the thing that gets the most attention from this Bell family witch. And that's why she has the horror of waking up at night, uh, having the sheets pulled off her on occasion. And then also she wakes up the next morning and there'll be scratch marks on her arm. Sometimes she'll be being slapped by the entity. She'll just all of a sudden out of nowhere, just getting bitch slapped across a room. Uh, and then also in the creepy. You said, one, what about John Proctor? <laughs> 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 That's a deep reference, by the way. Excellent. Um, Sometimes this uh, poor girl even report having pins shoved into her while she was sleeping. So Betsy is a girl um, uh, under duress. I'll say that. Yeah, the the the, um, the aberration or the spirit or the witch, uh, whatever you want to put a title to that, um, torments everybody in the house except for the mother. I mean, all the kids are you know having their sheets pulled down or they're they're poked or prodded or. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. pricked with a pin kind of a thing. But the two people in the family that this thing goes after the most are John Bell Sr., the dad. Correct. And then Elizabeth or Betsy, as she was as, as she was called. So those are the two that are taking the brunt of it to the point where um, her hair is being pulled. Uh, you know, she should been slapped. She's, she's being tormented the most. So, um, but everybody... Um, has some kind of contact with this, uh, this, uh, how do you report <laughs> that to the principal? I'm being yeah, really. bullied by a ghost. Yeah. It's uh well now that's an interesting one too. Now, again, to bring a little levity to it, you did kind of allude to this earlier, dad. Um, the, uh, the mother, the matriarch, if you will, of the bell family, uh, almost gets nothing but positive treatment from the spirit. So picture this demonic entity that's hanging out. I'm going to torture your daughter. I'm going to shove pins into her arm. I'm going to cause partial paralysis to your husband's mouth. He starts suffering from his partial paralysis every now and then. Uh, and this this demon thing is coming around here. And it's obviously tormenting um, the family, uh, scaring the kids, uh, scratching the daughter. And then at the same time, it's also putting out fresh fruit and singing hymns at night to the mother, calling, <laughs> calling her the most perfect woman to walk the earth. So this demonic entity. So – it, that's a scary proposition right there. Yes, there are demonic entities, but this one likes you. Yeah, <laughs> Thinks right. you're doing great. Is that bad? Is that good or is that even worse? Yeah, there's a little bit of a Beetlejuice thing going on. You're like, come on, guys. What are you doing? You want to have a good time? It's a- <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this? <laughs> <laughs> but again, Betsy's not having such a good time over here. Uh, and between the uh, partial paralysis of her father's mouth on occasion and the continuing uh, uh, and strange circumstances about these uh, rough nights and physical marks being left on Betsy. Uh, this is beyond just some wild imagination or a bad acid trip. It's time to bring in some help. 
Unfortunately, Dr. Venkman is unavailable at this time as the story predates him by a solid uh, 150 years. I don't know, man. They've been known to time travel. So. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and we'll, get in, we'll get into that a little bit. Too. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good story. Uh, and again, for as little as $3 a month. <laughs> but uh, a close family friend okay, of the Bells, uh, James Johnston, is going to be brought in. He's willing to come by the Bell homestead. And uh, John Bell's telling about all the shit going on. He goes, because there's no way it's this bad. Let me just – I'm going to stay here tonight and we'll see what happens. And he wakes up the next day. And uh, and they said, uh, hey, good morning. How'd you sleep? And he goes, well, uh, I heard wild dogs fighting. Uh, my bed sheets got pulled off. A demon appeared to me, just like a spirit out of the Bible, and uh, was talking to me at night and disrupted my sleep. And uh, by the way, uh, I will never doubt you ever again. So sorry. <laughs> right. Thank you for the lovely stay. Uh, but this Airbnb, three stars. Yeah. Three stars. <laughs> one night's more than enough. <laughs> so uh, James, again, like I said, just spends one night in the house. And now he can also now verify. So this is more people now verifying the existence of this. Of course, this is going to cause a little bit of a, a fascination and word's going to start to spread about a Bell family, which the Bell family is being visited by some sort of an entity, dad. And they're in an age of what we would refer to as mysticism or mesmerism. And Stu Greenberg, you suggested this years and years ago. And finally, the payoff is here. We're all about the long con here on American Loser. Dad, what is mesmerism? Um, mesmerism, I think we all are familiar with it. Like if you're mesmerized, you're just kind of like staring off into space and you're, you're, you're blanking out kind of a thing. You're someplace else, but you're not like right here. Um, but to be mesmerized comes from uh, the good doctor. There's a Dr. Mesmer that um, started this whole idea. And uh, Doc Mesmer was an interesting character himself. And Stu, I'm sorry, I'm not giving this enough uh, enough uh, meat on the, on the bone He's here. also it's not possible. American. That's why we couldn't cover him. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he is credited with being able to put patients, if you will, people that were troubled in one sh shape or form or another, either physically or mentally, that – he could put them in a, uh, a mesmerized state, which is almost like a um, uh, hypnotic state. And um, the whole term of animal magnetism came about by this guy, this, this doctor, that uh, he's saying that internally there's something going on, there's something wrong with you, that we got to get you all aligned and put back into good shape kind of a thing, and then you'll start to feel better. And initially, he'd be waving magnets in, in around the, the patient, if you will, to try to bring this animal magnetism back into, uh, into proper perspective kind of a thing. And then later on, some people feel that it was simply by the power of suggestion that the patient would then start to feel better. And you know, a lot of the other physicians were poo-pooing this thing that this guy's a quack, he's a, he's a, a charlatan. And well, you he, know who hates it for a loser's reception and dedicates his life to debunking a lot of this stuff? Good old Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini, but even long before, at, at this guy's point in time, I think he was Austrian and like the locals. Mesmer, uh, you mean? Mesmer, yes. Mesmer. And uh, he then takes his show to uh, France, to some of the hoi polloi in, in France and starts to uh, – um, do a like group sessions kind of a thing and he's in flowing robes and he's he's putting on a show 
And then the king says, uh, we got to form a committee to find out whether this guy's for real or not. And actually, Ben Franklin is part of the people on the, no on the committee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to see whether this guy is whack. I mean, you got to remember now, we're uh, after the Revolutionary War. So we're late, you know, 17-something and early 18-something. So um, it's right around that that whole same uh, – that whole time frame. Um you know, he starts, he becomes a hit in France and he starts, as I say, doing these uh, group sessions and stuff. But then uh, the rest of the medical community is somewhat skeptical of uh, of what this guy's doing. And then, you know, he, he's a quack. He's promoting these fraudulent uh, treatments. Yeah, ben Franklin's sitting there like, do you think these magnets can cure my gonorrhea that I might, <laughs> might have? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, you know, he... Um, he is always trying to um, bring himself, bring this whole concept uh, to put somebody into a, a mesmerized state into the the medical field, you know, the, the accepted medical field for whatever that was worth at the time. Um, he dies like in, I don't know, 1815. So again, we're right around here. But Ooh. he does have a lot of people starting to say, hey, this guy, you know, I went to him and I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm much better. And then he starts to make some converts. And uh, there was a, a, a big influx of, of believers, if you will, that uh, are now in the United States as well. So, I mean, this is all like, this is the current therapy. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, the, uh, uh, what was it? The the um, snake oil medicines kind of a thing. Oh, that, yeah. that if you're troubled and you can find, you can't find any relief from any of the current medical people, you're willing to grasp at anything to um, help yourself out. So, you know, if, if, you can, you can There's go. no new ideas. Well, they just retreads on old ideas. <laughs> all you got to do is watch television and, you know, you can see all these various uh, treatments that are going to help you from aches and pains, bad joints, uh, wear this uh, magnet around your wrist and your wrist is going to feel better or, uh, you know, hair tonic that's going to grow hair again. So, I mean, people are always struggling to uh, overcome their their aches and pains type of a thing. So yeah, I, it's the whole thing's ridiculous too. By the way, it just except uh, you know if the idea of taking a foreign stuff like substance or anything like that, or something as simple as a magnet, and trying to think that that can help condition uh, some sort of uh, correction for an illness that you have. That's happening. By the way, this uh, we have to interrupt real quick. I want to thank our sponsor, Blue Chew. Uh, Blue Chew. If you're having uh, difficulties in the bedroom, we want you to know that Blue Chew is here for you. Bring back the magic to your bedroom by taking one tiny little blue pill. Kahuna takes it all the time. Talk to us, Kahuna. <laughs> Eat shit, KP. <laughs> In a constant state of readiness. <laughs> At any given moment. No, uh, I'm teasing. But that is uh, uh, something to kind of bring up here as well is that, you know, we, again, this is we're judging them like, oh, look at these simple folks back then. But it's like, no, we're, we're still falling for the same scams in a lot of ways. And we're still nervous. We're they nervous. Just, they're just the called story. different things and make funnier things. Oh, totally. Like it's called flim flam back then. I would have fallen for some flim flam. <laughs> now it's just called a scam. It sounds like a scam. Flim exactly. Flam, right. Flim flam sounds like fun now. <laughs> Flim Flam was a uh, Scooby-Doo character, if I remember, too, wasn't he? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, don't talk anything else on Mesmer before we get it? Because now, at some point, we're going to have to go into what what's the scientific approach to figuring out this Bell Witch thing, Dad? Well, you're going to call in uh, the self-proclaimed uh, experts in the field, so. 
Well, you have to, and there's really no, there's not so much as experts as there's just people who are like, all right, well, listen, let's get a guy over here that seems to have uh, some some sense of authority. Let's get a guy with his shit together. Over yeah, he's here. got both oars in the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great line. But in order to determine exactly what may or may not be haunting this Bell family, they decide to go the conventional route. And uh, Kahuna, let me ask you this one here. If you needed to know what a entity's name was, how would you figure it out? An entity, like a, like a monster? Yeah, there's some sort of a weird entity. There's this, there's this spirit that's. If I wanted to and... find out its name, yeah. Oh my god! What All right, you... stand, standard standard practice: light up a bunch of candles, get a Ouija board. <laughs> okay. And then if it's if it just back and forth is EOZO, you're fucked. Ooh, damn! Uh, you Dozer. Know yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am the gatekeeper. No, no, no. So Zozo is actually like a serious thing. Like if you play with a Ouija board and that starts to come through, you're in trouble. Yeah. No, like like seriously, that's one of the reasons why I refuse to have one in my house. And my sister loves to fuck with me. Where she, <laughs> where she's always like, I'm going to bring a Ouija board for Christmas and there ain't shit you can do about it. I'm like, yes, there is. I can kick you out now. You're an adult. Well, the, uh, the other move too, and by the way, we will be bringing in, I'm very excited that they were probably – Amongst our two most popular guests, we've had a lot of popular guests. I think every guest we've had on the show of published episodes has been good. Um, but uh, the Wizards of Odd, Don MacArthur and Ted yes. Daniels, they're going to be coming back for the Halloween special. That's going to be a good one. Okay. That's full on cameras. That's maybe even using the front set over here. That's maybe even lighting some candles in studio just to have a little creepy aura. So they're going to be our experts on that one. They're going to be excited when we tell them what we covered here. But our poor layman's efforts here. Uh, <laughs> we're just a couple. We're, we're, we're three. We're three guys from Jersey. The three of us here in this room, right? So what are we going to do if we're trying to handle this thing? There's an entity in the house. We're going to be like, hey, hey, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> really? And the entity starts to respond back. So here's the problem now, Kahuna. Uh, they do go this uh, conventional route of simply asking the entity what its name is, and the spirit, who only reveals itself at night once candles have been extinguished, seem to like to answer to the name of old Kate Bat and referred to herself anytime that she was referred is that Kate Bat you would hear the you know a little evil snickering in the background or yes yes it's me it's, so Ugh. old Kate Bat's witch is what they're going to start to refer him to her and uh, she claims to be a spirit that was one set this is an exact quote uh, per the written documentation of the authenticated story of the bell witch uh, who are you and it responded once I was a spirit that was once at rest but I have been disturbed well, who dug up or pissed on an Indian burial ground? Mm. Somebody want to let me know? <laughs> this winds up – people are going nuts here. They start digging around like, oh, my God, did we did we dig up something in an Indian burial ground? Then they're going after hidden treasures and stuff like that. They're causing all sorts of chaos here, all because of this old Kate Bat witch that's now starting to lead them on these wild goose chases. So Yeah, now th there was a for real uh, Mary Catherine Kate Bats that lived in that area and um you know whether it was an indian burial ground because the um the native americans had those burial mounds in that particular area of uh, along the red river along the yes, red sir. river so it wouldn't be uh too far afield to say that you know maybe uh john bell was out plowing the field or something and it disturbed uh, somebody's grave site because uh, you're trying to plant potatoes and you awoke in a poltergeist there you go um whether it was Native American or whether it was somebody else, but this uh, this spirit 
you know, the, they ask him, who are you? You know, the guy, well, that's a pretty straightforward way. Who are you that's haunting my house and knocking on my walls and poking my children and pulling the sheets off and, you know, no pulling their hair questions. and all that kind of slapping them in the face while they're sleeping, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, Mary Catherine or Kate uh, Batts was the wife of uh, Frederick Batts, who was one of the earlier settlers of the area kind of a thing. And supposedly she was the culprit behind the disturbances known as the Bell Witch. Um, although she was not a, a poor woman, um, she was often mocked by the by the locals because she was a little she was a little out there. I mean, she actually lived in that area, but you know, she was mocked and um, yeah. yeah. But this is the era when you're when you're cool out when you're a cool outsider, people just think you're a witch. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, isn't that what we covered in the uh, the Salem, which uh, yeah. trials kind of thing? If you're acting a little strange, if you're a widow or uh, whatever, then uh, if you're, you're acting you're, strange you're, you're in act, your neighborhood, yeah. um, what you gonna do? But dunk them. <laughs> um, her improper usage of words and sometimes her strange ways led many to think that uh, she's practicing black magic. You know, again, if you're if you're a stranger, you're or you're a little bit strange. You might be a witch, but it seemed that um, her husband's brother, in other words, her brother-in-law, had a little dispute with John Bell over the sale of uh, a slave or something. And nobody's really certain as to what exactly was the uh, transgression that they had, but. Uh, um, she, uh, Kate Batts had it in for, uh, for John Bell. Most certainly. So again, John Bell is the one who's receiving the brunt of it. And Betsy seems to be suffering the most. Now, Betsy's suffering increases as the story goes on here, but only as other weird, strange events are going on, which again, we'll, we'll refer to Betsy as a, a hero victim villain. And again, get off at whatever stop you need to get off at here, folks. But, um, this is where it gets interesting. This creature now begins to speak more and more freely in the house. So again, you turn out the lights at night and all of a sudden, hey guys, you up? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So, Let's party. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty creepy. And it's uh, showtime. It it certainly is. And uh and it it's terrifying. We're trying to use a beetle juice thing to try to bring again some levity to this because it's it's pretty horrifying. Kahuna's already bringing up some spooky pictures uh of stuff that would be going on here. So just imagine you're sitting there. It's only the the light of uh, – <laughs> I don't get spooked often. All right? And I don't mean to go down a, a wormhole here and I won't. I'll make this as succinct as possible. Uh, there is a, a hunting property in South Carolina that Uncle Paul took me to a couple of years ago. And uh, old mansion, pre-existing of the Civil War. And uh, it's the only place that had Wi-Fi in the entire area. And it was a creepy time. And it's, when it got dark around there, it got dark. And I remember being the last person at the hunting lodge because I was using the Wi-Fi to try to, I think, upload an episode of this show. I really, <laughs> I think, I think actually Stu Greenberg had to help me out with that. I, I have a, either him or Nick bailed me out on this one that they uh, shared the episode on Facebook because I couldn't do it. And I just remember sitting there struggling with it. And uh, again, it's like one bar of Wi-Fi out there. And all of a sudden you realize you're the only person in this old, hunting lodge, this, this old, uh, um, uh, plantation in right. South Carolina. And, uh, if you're going to walk, it has, you have to have your own light on you to be able to see, cause it's too pitch black dark. And all of a sudden I realize, uh, it, cause it's, it's maybe like a two, three minute walk to get over to your, your cabin you're going to stay at. And, um, the house just starts making some noises 
and you hear what maybe is a creaky floorboard or something like that, and it just gets into your head right away. Now, I freaked out and left right away, and I turned on my cell phone flashlight and walked my ass back, and you better believe I was carrying a gun. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I walked myself back over to uh, my cabin and then, uh, you know, was able to fall asleep. Now, imagine every single night of your life having this kind of horror play out in front of you. The Bell family is, no matter what you want to say, no matter which way we try to laugh it off or what strange things or, or ridiculous stories, there is an element of psychological horror that's going on every single night when this creature starts to speak to you. And by the way, it's speaking more and more freely. It likes to argue over religion. Yeah, it was John Jr. Um, that really was the most uh, uh, in the face of the of the Mm-hmm. of the uh, the spirit, if you will, that he would argue back and forth and, and everything else. And so, the I mean, spirit kind of liked him. Yeah, they were taking on, con- you know, taking on conversation with this with this spirit. I would not want to be that person. I would not want to be the one person the spirit likes. You know what I mean? Well, there's two of them. It's the mother that uh, the spirit's very fond of. It gathers, there'll be fruit gathered for the mother in the morning sometimes. I get that, but then the whole town is like this fucking demon fucking exactly. likes these fucking assholes. Or also it comes out of nowhere. You're just sitting there talking. All of a sudden it's like, I, I like the dolphins to cover by three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's creepy. It's downright creepy here. Now it's also, it's got, like you were saying, dad, these conversations are going on between um, John Jr. And also it's, um, it's pretty nuts because there's also a, a deep knowledge that this demon has. Okay. You know, in the horror movies, the possession movies, there's always a scene where the character has to read about the backstory of some demon or something like that. Right. Uh, this demon knows the Bible in and out. That's like knowing the other team's playbook, man. That's a little creepy here. And it likes to have these religious debates. It likes to talk all the time. It seems to know things. It likes to spread gossip about other people that live out in the town. It's not officially known as Adams yet, but living in this Red River uh, area of Tennessee. Um, it, it likes to spread, you know, all these uh, rumors, gossip that it's heard around town, stuff like that. Claims to have been in other people's houses and stuff too, whether or not it made its presence known to them. Uh, some reported that the entity or the poltergeist was actually able to quote directly from two separate sermons spoken at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. So that's kind of like that scene from the Mothman prophecies where it's uh, Richard Gears trying to tell the thing on the phone that it's not real. And uh, it goes, uh, uh, okay, well, what color is this? And the thing knows. And boom, okay, well, what's this? And then it opens up a book. Uh, Richard Gere opens up a book and points to, uh, it goes, uh, what what page am I on? You're on page 13, word seven, you know. uh, uh, Yeah. And it it just is unsettling. This thing's all knowing, okay? So. And that's where the whole time time travel kind of a thing, because there's, at that particular point, there's no way that it could be in two places at the same time, 13 miles apart. And have that whole thing committed, that whole sermon, both sermons committed to memory. Pretty impressive, man. Yeah. A little scary, a little unnerving. You guys can tell at home. Kahuna's, Kahuna's quieting down quite a bit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's keeping his head down. So I don't want to be a favorite. No, the uh, uh, but you're already the favorite, you know? Um, I know, but like, <laughs> I don't want anybody to be like jealous if anybody's going through some shit dealing with the Bell Witch. And then it's like, oh, but the Bell Witch likes Christian. Well, you wonder, is it, again, is it a Beetlejuice type thing? Because there, there's abject, there's absolute horror here. There's Holy also some crap, kind of funny I said stuff. my government name at 58 minutes exactly. Never mind. I need to bleep that out. Government name, he yeah. says. <laughs> government <laughs> those, name. <laughs> those who don't know, Kahuna's real name is F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> we have an honor to have your presence on the show here, sir. 
Um, now, James Johnston, the guy who originally comes by and spends the first night and authenticates the story of the witch. Um, he's got a son who's also thinks of himself as a little bit of, I'm a learned man. I know how to, I, I got an idea here. Here's a test for the witch. So I'm going to go ahead. This, this is the part where uh, my hairs are starting to stand up on my arms here a little bit. Um, don't do the research on this uh, on Ambien at two o'clock in the morning by yourself. All right. Um, <laughs> James Johnson's son's idea is uh, he goes, I'm going to ask the entity a question. I'm going to come over one night. We're going to turn off, uh, you know, we're going to turn off. <laughs> we're going to extinguish all the candles. We're going to have just the fire here and we're going to wait for the voice to come out. And sometimes you could actually see this thing. They would say it was a physical apparition at times and it was a shapeshifter, like you said earlier, dad. So the whole point is, um, James Johnson's son goes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the creature. There's no way anybody outside of my family, me and my dad know this. Nobody else knows this. Okay. I'm going to ask this entity, what would my grandmother say to her slaves if she thought the slaves had done something wrong in the house? Never reveals a couple of details about this. And the entity responds back when asked, he goes, entity, what would my grandmother say when uh, her slaves were misbehaving or had done something wrong? And uh, in a perfect Dutch accent, the creature responds back, hut tut, what happened here? What? James Johnston's son never revealed that his grandmother was Dutch. The creature knew. Nor could the entity know that phrase in Dutch. Oh, yeah. Hut tut, what happened here? <laughs> By the way, Dutch is a little bit of a horrifying uh, – that, that is a – to all of a sudden go into an accent like that, like that always freaks me out when you can just see, uh, you know, uh, someone just switch into another language like that because there is a little bit of a um, – not a, a speaking in tongues thing, but there is something unsettling. Like, oh, shit, I didn't know that this was – something just changed. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, layman's term nowadays would be like code switching or something like that. But again, in a perfect Dutch accent, this thing responds – if that doesn't scare the shit out of you, I don't know what will. Again, <laughs> imagine, Kahuna, you ask this entity, entity, who am I and what am I supposed to be doing? You're supposed to call Ernie about the highest score. No, just stop it. <laughs> Fucking... See, what y'all don't realize is that I'm the only one that wears headphones on this production. <laughs> so whenever fucking KP does it, it's straight to my fucking eardrum. So it's just, no. <laughs> it's creepy. Um, so... I'll tell you what, LP, I feel like you're about to jump in here any second. So no, no, you, got you, you keep going, guy. No, you're you're telling me because there's a couple more creepy ones here because now this this Dutch grandmother's uh, perfect accent is pretty creepy. Um, but again, we talked about the idea that the specter can seemingly travel at fast speeds and also is known to appear in multiple locations at the same time. Now, is this a little bit of hysteric, you know, hysteria, if you will, coming around the area that has no Netflix yet? All right. You wonder. <laughs> yeah. You wonder. Okay, but what seems to happen over here is that uh, people are starting to say, oh, I saw the witch too. I saw that people are coming to travel to see like that's the house where the witch lives. And it's almost like if they if the Bell family wasn't truly afflicted, if they were tricksters or, um, you know, just trying to uh, flim flammers like uh, to, to um, reiterate on Kahuna's term, they would be sitting there and saying, wanna, ooh, you know, for for just five shekels, you guys can come sleep in our living room tonight. But these. It seems to be like this is an actual terror going on here for the family. Again, obviously, John Bell's having this paralysis of the mouth here. The daughter, Betsy's having a hard time. Uh, and, and her particular thing is actually getting worse and worse uh, because she's going to become engaged to a fellow by the name of Joshua Gardner in town. OK. And it seems to be that uh, this engagement is what actually draws the full ire of uh, the aforementioned Bell Witch. 
But before we get to that. Yeah, she didn't approve. The the witch did not approve of uh, young Betsy uh, oh, no. being engaged to uh, her no. uh, patrol. Which can mind her own damn business. Yeah, well, yeah. Here's, uh, here's where a couple of interesting things uh, start to pop up. So before we get to that, there is one other story that holds that of the people that were coming to visit and see this, you know, happening going on. And by the way, this is a very curious story here. So uh, Martin Van Buren Ingram, not Martin Van Buren, the president, but a man named the namesake of the, you know, the, the president, who, by the way, was the vice president of Andrew Jackson, who's also known as Old Hickory, who's a good old boy from Tennessee, who loved this story and found it very interesting. He loved reading about it. OK. In fact, they even said he wanted to send troops over there to go check it out. But those troops are like, I, uh, I mean, we got... You know, I, I I got shit to do. I can't be visiting ghosts and spirits in Tennessee. But um, one of the travelers that comes by in the area is uh, an Englishman, and he's going to come to visit, and he wants to witness the Bell Witch. Now, um, he's a little bit of a skeptic here. He's one of those guys like, ah, Mesmer was bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I'm an Englishman. I'm a little bit more sophisticated than you bastards. All right. And they are, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> but they go ahead and uh, this Englishman, he goes, he goes, ah, I, I'm, I'm skeptical here. He goes, I'm going to stay off one night at the house here. So anyway, he's going to stay over and uh, he uh, he asks a question. Right. Uh, one story holds the Englishman when he comes to visit, he uh, the bell witch will respond to his inquiry uh, in his mother's British accent. Yeah, you're the, the witch speaks back to him in his mother's mother's voice with the English accent. A little bit creepy. <laughs> yeah. Little you keep saying creepy. little bit. Is that, just is that you, mom? This is uh, – <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty much terrible. So it again, this entity is able to repeat back to him and the Englishman, as soon as he hears that, he goes, oh, uh, I'm uh, – <laughs> lovely time. <laughs> I forgot. I had a very important date. Oh, yeah. So he bails, winds up going back over to uh, uh, England. And he visits with his parents who uh, tell him that the entity visited them the night that he asked them that and repeated back to him some information that only the two of them would know about his visit. So this, uh, this spirit that can now somehow be in two places at once and memorize sermons being spoken at the same time 13 miles away can also go terrify your parents another continent away. Don't doubt this thing, all right? There, there's, a, there's a heavy price for skepticism as we're learning on this one. So now uh, moving forward here too, the Englishman's curiosity is obviously going to have been sufficed on that one here. His skepticism never really comes up again. People aren't willing to doubt it, at least out loud. All right. yeah. um, the spirit is rumored to, like we said, he's, the spirit is, is very kind to Lucy Bell, which is John's wife. Um, very pleasant to her. And, and I do think that is – so now that voice, Kahuna, picture that voice singing hymns at night to you. You know, it's a uh, don't just don't. I'm just, not going to do it. Yeah, You're just okay. don't. You're off the hook. All right, you folks can't see. He's threatening. He's about to hit the. He's going to hit the stop record button if we keep. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm you clear. I'm near it, KP. You don't mess with the sound guy. He's got his finger on the button. So uh, now again, this this entity who we're going to refer to as Old Kate as uh, the entity, and again, this is the creep. To yeah, me, that's this what is she. That's what she called herself. Correct. She likes to be referred to as Old Kate. The idea that there's an entity that has a name it likes being called, or, hey, are you old Kate? Sure am. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a little scary. Not exactly in the flesh, but no. Sure am. Uh, but uh, now it certainly begins to make it clear uh, to John Bell himself and Betsy that they're going to be the main targets of the malevolence of this entity. So it can be kind. It can have these religious conversations at night with um, you know John Bell Jr. Uh, it does collect fruit for uh, the mother and is very sweet to her. 
However, again, at the same time, in the same house, two people, uh, John Bell Sr. is suffering from some paralysis of the mouth at times, and the daughter is afflicted and acting out in these kind of creepy ways. Um, whether or not they're creepy by modern standards, I'll leave that up to you guys to decide, because there, there's going to be a part, again, on this uh, where you do have to figure out what what train station you want to get off at on the loser express no i've been off man <laughs> it's a, yeah kahuna kahuna are you there it's a, <laughs> of all the episodes he doesn't pull his walk-off gag on <laughs> um the entity whose voice could be heard around the house at all time during the day but would seem to sometimes fully appear at night rumors swirled that the entity was making john bell suffer for the ills he'd visited on a woman like you were saying earlier named kate bat years earlier the spirit seemed to be most active when the topic of Betsy marrying a young man named Joshua Gardner would come up. When Betsy and Joshua announced their engagement, the spirit revealed it at night. This is uh, this is the scariest part. I'm going to say it. This is actually the scariest part. They asked the spirit, well, what's your intention here? Because you've been acting up lately ever since our uh, Betsy got uh, engaged to Joshua Gardner. What's your intention? What's your endgame spirit? What are you all about? And the spirit responded back that its intention was to kill John Bell by poisoning him which, after much more psychological torture, it succeeds with. John Bell passes away in 1821. During the mourning period, okay, <laughs> during the morning. Now, if you want to write a horror movie about this, Kahuna, or if you want to write a comedy about this, it will happen the same exact sequence of events here. That's that's the, the line. The, the little line between horror and laughter is very, very close. Tragedy and horror, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, tragedy and, and uh, comedy. Um, yes. So... The horror story is that um, this family has lost their father and they're sitting there and they're, they're mourning the passing of the guy. People are coming through uh, in town. John Bell Sr. has passed away. Um, he was haunted by this entity for five years. And as they're sitting there mourning, presumably over his dead body in the house because they don't have funeral right. homes and parlors and stuff like that. Um, as they're mourning and crying, some voice in the background is singing happy drinking songs. Yeah, bawdy drinking songs like, uh, you know, not exactly 100 bottles of beer on the wall, but uh, yes. a little more uh, raucous than that. John Bell Sr. is dead in front of you. You are praying over him, hoping that his soul will be taken to heaven. <laughs> and in the background, you just hear, -na 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 -na, hey, -na 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 -na. Barnacle Bill the Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Kahuna's not even laughing. That's how scared he is. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. I realize you're the first listener to every episode we have. But trust me, I was scared shitless and almost called you last night because I was getting worked up about this. Um, so this voice is coming through here. We're trying to give the levity to it because it is spooky and downright uh, uh, creepy. The spirit again, like we said, revealed its intention to kill John Bell and it looks like it succeeded. Okay, so now it, this thing actually took somebody out, or at least is taking credit for it, or at least is being credited for. And happy and uh, voices could be heard at, at his uh, funeral, at mm -hmm. his wake. Pretty creepy. Pretty <laughs> yeah. creepy. So, um, you know, and it's not funny stuff like the two Muppets in the back, you know what I mean? It's, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is creepy interrupting stuff. So, um, now, interestingly enough, because of the, the chaos that's going on with the Bell family, and they've now lost their father... Um, Betsy will actually call off her engagement to Joshua Gardner. And dad, what happens when the engagement to Joshua Gardner gets called off? Uh, the spirit decides to take its leave. I think it, it made a promise that it was going to be taken off for seven years. It wouldn't be back for mm -hmm. a seven year hiatus, if you will. We're going to go on a short vacation, seven <laughs> years. 
But <laughs> like when we took the month of July off and came back in September. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it has been reported that the the spirit did come back again, true to its word that it did come back seven years later. I mean, and as this legend grew, I mean, it was just more and more stories were heaped heaped upon it. And there is some that feel that the spirit then went to live in a cave that was on the Bell property. Oh, here we go. So that was the Bell Witch, the Bell Witch Cave, which is a. Uh, Are you set for this? You ready to roll? Because we're setting you up. You, this is this is your part of the story, brother. Oh no, it's it's not it's not a really big part of the story because it never really was mentioned in the original. Uh, authenticated history of the Bell Witch. Except that it's a real cave and you can go visit it, Cajun. Yeah, absolutely. You want to go visit <laughs> Cajuns? It's only a short, it's only a short distance from uh, in Nashville, I believe. So, uh, you know, you got it. Uh, <laughs> when, when you're in the, when you're in the area, uh, you can go, you can oh, go no. visit. <laughs> we, we walked Kahuna again, folks. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, anyhow, uh, this cave was on the uh, Bell Farm, and uh, it's approximately uh, 490 feet long. So it's, it's a pretty good-sized cave, and um, it's privately owned today. And you can take – you know, they – guess what? For a small fee, you can go tour the cave and get the history. And there's actually a – Worst Airbnb ever. Uh, Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. oh, damn it. I missed it. And there's also out. a reconstructed uh, cabin of the um, original Bell home that – you know, not in its same location. But um, there's a, a reconstructed uh, cabin of what the Bell home uh, might have looked like. And uh, – um, yeah, there was uh, there was some people exploring around it and stuff, and uh, became stuck, and became uh, stuck into this cave. And then there was uh, uh, the boys uh, that got caught in this cave felt hands grasping his feet, and he was pulled out of the hole by some invisible force. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's still got some uh, tourist attraction uh, type things. Oh, there's some good creepy stuff here. Now, uh, another a way to again, we were talking about this. We're going to present some stuff here, and we have uh, uh, some learned listeners. You know what I mean? Some people aren't really buying this. Some people enjoy the fact we're telling a good ghost story, which is what we wanted to do on here. We're doing a historical ghost story, which is what we do on this show on this particular month. Um, now, one thing I heard that was pretty interesting was, did you hear the? Uh, it's not a conspiracy theory, but it is an attempt to debunk the Bell Witch theory, is that uh, around this time frame of uh, spiritualism, there was the, uh, what was it, the Stratford knockings, I think. And then there was the uh, the rap, the sisters that were able to yeah. wrap their toes and knock on the floor. Right. And, and, and it seemed to be that it could answer um, these questions from the great beyond. Um, a lot of this was parlor tricks, like you were saying, Dad. Now, um, one theory holds that Betsy herself was actually a very talented young girl um, who wanted to marry Joshua Gardner but couldn't get his attention um, and that the marriage wasn't coming through here. So her way of acting out was to create this – well, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to doubt it because I don't feel like getting visited tonight by anything. But um, one theory holds that she was actually a girl who possessed a certain skill of ventriloquism. And, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can make those voices come out of the come out of the woodwork. So if you're truly good at this, and I, I have seen some very talented ventriloquists in my life, but the idea being that um, she could, when all the lights are out in the house and all the candles have been extinguished, the same way that I used to knock on uh, a shared bedroom wall that I had with my sister, 
and memory for you, right? We thought we were sitting there having this intricate code, and all of a sudden, you just hear my father go, "Shut the!" F-. No, I <laughs> never, never said, said that. You never said shut the. F-. You did tell us that uh, if we wanted to see an Irish temper, you could show us an Irish temper. <laughs> but that's what we get for interrupting your favorite show, Friends. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but now uh, if you were very good at this ventriloquism thing, you can throw your voice around the house. Now, if you have the added in um, darkness that comes with all the candles being extinguished. And just a flame that uh, just, uh, you know, maybe your, your older brother who's allowed to stay up and you're not. And maybe you creep over to the side of the, you know, the top of the bedroom. And then he just, uh, you say, hey, what do you want to know about the great beyond? <laughs> and then starts answering questions, uh, you know. And then, by the way, uh, you're a young girl. Your mom's your hero. Uh, you get along great with her. You know what? I'm just going to, you know, my dad's an asshole, though. All right. I'm going <laughs> to. She's she's going through. She's a goth girl. All right, that's kind of what it is. She's a she's going through a phase here. Now, some people say that because she couldn't get Joshua Gardner's while she was acting out, and then the other story that's holding true to the uh, Martin Van Buren Ingram story is that it was because of the engagement uh, that the demon or the entity was uh, becoming more and more malevolent. So um, I think I'm using that word right. Find out. Let me know. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some creepy stuff about that. There's also another story too, if I recall, about a guy. It was a, a guy whose car broke down near the Bellwitch Cave, uh, and it started like all great stories. It involves a car breaking down, uh, and that's why I drive a Kia, folks. My and it was a dark is, and stormy night. And he's walking. So you know the story then. Right? <laughs> and then he found a hook on the back of his. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, uh, it's actually pretty interesting too, because uh, this guy's particular story is about um, as he's walking towards town. Uh, a rabbit keeps catching up with him. And so he's like, all right, well, that's creepy. I'm going to walk a little faster. And the rabbit keeps catching up to him. And then eventually it keeps going on and on where the rabbit's ahead of him. And then finally he comes up to the road and that the rabbit's been sitting there ahead of him. He looks at the rabbit, goes, how the hell did the rabbit get here? And the rabbit looks at him and goes, quite the race we had and disappears. What? Yep. That's all, folks. No, more like that's all, folks. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a creepy one on that. Now, uh, I like that story. That's funny as hell to me. Oh, it's a uh, it's a good creepy one too. And again, the the story when you have a good story like this, it's going to run wild. You were pulling it up earlier, Kahuna. You could see how many movies have been made, or how many movies have pulled things in from this story throughout a uh, you know time in history. Yeah. Um, it's a great story as it's occurring. It's a great story as it's being revisited by uh, Martin Van Buren Ingram. And he's collecting the stories from the people who have been all gathered around fires at night telling the stories. So uh, this thing continues to live on its own. There is a, a couple of movies that have been made about it. Um, one particular movie, which was not very good. I got to be honest. I, I didn't. But I'll tell you what. It's because it it, um, it presents itself as a horror movie and takes on a much more serious subject matter. I talked about it before the show here with you guys. The movie is called An American Haunting. I don't know if I'd recommend it because it's it's just a strange one. I'm not sure what to make of the movie. Um, but it definitely brings in some very heavy themes and applies some real uh, um, logic behind what the terror could have been because the, we're talking about unspoken things of the time. Yeah. So that's worth mentioning too. Now, LP, I got to pull up something real quick. So I got to dig through the iPad here for our boy, Prete Gosh. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, and, and by the way, shout out to, uh, <laughs> I want to say it's Quadio, right? I think it's, it, it, I don't want to call him, uh, uh, you know, K or whatever, but um uh, him and uh, James Stiffy, uh, who listen, they, they compete with each other almost to see who can uh, um, congratulate us on the the long controversial theory of this show, Kahuna, okay. that uh, American Loser believes firmly that slavery is bad. Yes. So <laughs> right. we're outspoken about that. That is our folks, stance. All right. And uh, we're not moving from this. All no. right. We're not moving. Not from even this. a little bit. Yeah. 
That's <laughs> but uh, those two guys, uh, I'm sure they're going to be uh, appreciating this one here. But um, did you have anything else you wanted to say on the way? Because I got to pull this thing up. Um, yeah, I wanted to because again, these stories and all these different, um, you know, supposed uh, um, meetings with the with the witch um, down through the ages, starting back in you know 1817 up through modern day times. Because the and again, the two major resources, if you will, to all of this is something that was printed by a newspaper editor. Uh, Martin Van Buren Ingram in 1894. And by the way, the family is continuing this legacy here. So Absolutely. Grandkids, great yeah. grandkids, stuff like and that. And the um, the second um, the second publication was actually written by Bell's great grandson, I believe. I think it was great great grandson. Um, that was supposedly verbal documentation that they, um. John Bell Jr. supposedly gave oral um, recounts of what happened to the family during the, the original haunting. And um, his son wrote it down. They can't find that. But then it was, again, a verbal thing to his son. So it's a couple of generations removed. But then he writes a, a, a second book in 1934. So, you know, you're, you're 90, 80 years apart but one of the one of the things that I found that was pretty interesting there was actually uh, you know uh, one of our past presidents that had a a, a Bell Witch uh, encounter, Andrew Jackson. Of course, the Kahuna sat up because if it's Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. No, it was yes. Andy. Teddy wrestled the Bell Witch to the ground and <laughs> beat it severely. Beat the crap out of it. No, he grabbed the voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, legend has it that the uh, Bell Witch had an encounter with, uh, well, it wasn't President Jackson at that point, but it was future President Andrew Jackson. And what was interesting is John Bell's kids, he's got, a, he's got nine kids, two of the sons actually fought with Andy Jackson during the War of 1812 because <laughs> they were part of the militia that was you know, rounded up in that particular area. By the way, those area. two episodes, parts one and two, available for free now. We waited a full year to put it out. What, and, uh, 1812? Yeah, and our boy Mike Harrington over at Gas Digital wrote to me, he goes, 1812 is pretty dope, dude. It's okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, but uh, Andy Jackson owned property on the uh, Red River. And, you know, he's hearing all, all these reports about the, uh, the Bell Witch, so he desires a visit to the Bell Farm. Uh, upon hearing the, the various stories, so his party is heading towards the uh, the, the Bell family uh, household, if you will, and one of his wagons becomes stuck by this unforeseen force, and they're whipping the horses and they're prodding the thing, and they're you know all the guys are trying to push this wagon out of the out of this apparent stuck position and to no no uh, no way it's going to happen the thing is just cemented in into place and then finally uh you know he says by the eternal boys this must be the witch that's holding this wagon in, in place <laughs> um so you know, you got to say is, is this Andy just pulling pulling their chain or what um to to then though this voice comes out the witch replies all right general let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. And all of a sudden, magically, 
without the horses, the, the wagon starts moving on its own kind of a thing that it's it's now unstuck and it's it's being self-propelled. Moving um, right along. Later, <laughs> later on that night, they're, they're camped um, and one of the guys in the party is uh, supposedly this uh, – this witch hunter that he's one of these uh, self-proclaimed uh, witch hunters, and he's got this silver bullet that he's telling all the guys around the campfire, kind of a thing that uh, you know uh, his tales of uh, the great hunting of witches that he took. I'll place protect in. you, Ripley. I'm the ultimate badass. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And then sounds uh, like some flimflam. With, <laughs> with that, suddenly there's a sound of light footsteps prancing on the floor. And the voice stated, all right, General, I'm on hand and ready for business. That's the quote. And the the witch just the, the witch hunter hears these voices is like, oh shit, I'm out of here. And he just he just does the fast skedaddle kind of a thing. And uh that's that's pretty much the end of it. But you know, that was Andy Jackson's uh um foray into the uh the Bell Witch kind of a thing. But uh <laughs> it's a good creepy one here. Yeah. Um, All of a sudden that, uh, you know, this guy's being braggadocious about uh, being the great witch hunter. And all of a sudden he's calling the witch is calling him out. All right, I'm here. I think that I think the witch hunter fired shots at him or something. Uh, and, you know, the gun wouldn't fire or something because the witch. You want to know something kind of strange? Yeah. This is how my weird ass brain works. Like. I'm thinking of movies, and KP's right. Like, there's been a ton of movies about this. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, this sounds like a prequel to Hollow Man. And I, I would totally watch this. So uh, it's funny that you would say that because there is um, – there's so many different uh, – Interpretations. Well, when I, I told people the topic, someone said, oh, is that what Blair Witch comes from? And I was like, that's not too far off either. No. Um, and then there, there's a lot of found footage. Uh, it's been very much – so Paranormal Activity was heavily influenced by this story. Um, really? Yeah, it, it's pretty nuts. And by the way, Paranormal Activity is actually a movie uh, so scary that uh, this is a true story. Um, the footage was sent to Steven Spielberg uh, and asked for his opinion on it. And uh, that the story goes that Spielberg was watching it and had to turn it off and finish it during the day because he was too – when you're scaring the guy who, you know, <laughs> who made Jaws. Yeah. Who made Jaws and Poltergeist? Yeah, no, I'm a – Spielberg made Poltergeist? He wrote Poltergeist. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, um. Another thing to – and this this is actually my favorite part of um, – not my favorite part. I shouldn't say that. But this is the most interesting part here. So some people have tried to explain a way that uh, – again, like um, like we were saying too with uh, – and there he's right. He's right. Story by Steven Spielberg. Good on you, Cahoons. I, I just I, had to double check because I was like, wait, I'm not just spewing bullshit. No, Sorry. I've known to never doubt you on pop culture. Um, you know, it, it's it, – it, you're, you're infallible on that to be quite honest. Dad – we're pretty logical guys, right? We would try to sit there and say, hey, sound nowadays you can sit there and say, maybe this is a misbehaving teenage girl whose crush doesn't like her back and she's going to, you know, mess around with people and she can throw her voice and she's going to have some fun with the trick, you know? Um, another theory that I thought that was interesting that I've heard posited was um, that this thing is actually uh, an ancient uh, being, if you will, uh, that is referred to. It, it goes all the way back to uh, uh, pre-Islam, but... Uh, these beings that uh, are known to uh, be able to show up, uh, known as the the, the jinn, or uh, no jinns, you had it right. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about here, Cones? Yeah. So uh, that would be for if you if it sounds familiar to you folks or this these characters this this jinn or whatever here, 
uh, is able to um, arrive. Sometimes they're um, uh, a little bit uh, mischievous. Uh, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. And so uh, you can't really quite tell. Um, now, in Islam, they would actually say that if you wore something, if you wore a holy relic, so I wear St. Brendan, uh, the navigator, on uh, my neck because uh, uh, when a priest gives you a gift uh, before you go to boot camp, you don't take it off. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, bad juju to take it off. Yeah, the great, great, the great <laughs> Dershin work. I haven't taken it off since 2007. <laughs> um, but uh, the idea being that if you wore, uh, uh, and this comes from uh, the Quran, that if uh, you wore a uh, um, a religious emblem, that the, the jinn could not harm you. Okay, if you weren't a bad person. So that <laughs> that kind of popularized a lot of wearing of these things. Now, Jin Dad, um, you're hearing it. You're thinking London. You're thinking Beefeater, right? <laughs> there you go. We'll get you a nice tonic. All right, you'll sit there. <laughs> right. It's a nice thing to sip on, you know, during a rainy, uh, rainy day in New Jersey. Um, Kahuna, you already know exactly what this actually is. We are referring to Jin, but we would more commonly know it as what? Oh, wait, but not you know it. It's in the word. Damn it! Nah, I don't know. So now picture again, and this is the thing. This is what happens. Disney always does this. Disney takes something very dark, genie, and yep, nailed it. Disney always puts a positive, lighthearted spin. I mean, if you had to, all right. Now I'll tell you what. If you want to change this movie, we talked about it. I'm so mad now because I (laughs) knew it was fucking genie, but I did. I thought we were. I thought it was something else that I just didn't know about. Damn it. If you want to uh, decide whether or not The Bell Witch is going to be a horror movie or a comedy movie, the voice can either be a very creepy voice like this or, uh, you know, you can get uh, Tom Waits involved or something. You know what I mean? Something nice, gravelly (laughs) and horrifying. If he was still around, I would have been an asshole and cast Gilbert Gottfried. Well, that's a good one too. And also another guy who was in uh, Aladdin, but the guy I was going to say is if you want to take The Bell Witch and make it a hilarious romp stomp comedy, The Bell Witch is voiced by from the great beyond as well, Robin Williams. Yeah. Oh my God. Good morning, Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that whole thing too, you're saying it was Islam about wearing something around your neck. I mean, that, that's got all kinds of... Uh, um, oh yeah, parallels. I mean, yeah, are I'm we wearing a cross around the... our neck? Are we wearing a scapula around our neck? Are we are wearing the evil eye to wear to ward off the evil spirits? Oh, yeah. Good morning, you know? Bell family. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know your mother that just died. <laughs> I know she was British. <laughs> and you know, John. I'm glad he's fucking dead. <laughs> There's no stopping him now, folks. All right, we <laughs> right. we, we warmed we up. We set the mood. him off. <laughs> we lit the fuse. We uh, we know we we lightened the mood in the room, and now he's back. Because for a while, you guys don't know that the tension you can feel. You can actually you can cut it. Yeah, you, you can hear him digging his hands into the armchair. <laughs> but uh, keep legit on, you're saying, sweating. Yeah, it would, I didn't mean to cut you off there, LP. No, that's it. No, we're good. That was it, man. This was um, this is a great story. It's a, a creepy story. Again, you that's what I like about this. Uh you look in my fascination with history goes to, all right, why do we call this that? It all comes from a curiosity. Why is this that? And then you find out, well, it's because of this. And you're like, well, where did that come from? So it's how far back you want to trace the root of the the problem or the question at hand. So Something as simple as one of our early Patreon episodes we did on Washington Irving, one of the great writers, one of the great Americans of all time. Um, he wrote a infamous, uh, not infamous, a, a, a legendary story um, that literally inspired an entire town to change its name. 
Okay, so those folks up in Tarrytown, New York, they know there's not really a Sleepy Hollow, but around this time of year, when everybody's paying a little extra, you know, two dollars uh, yeah, surcharge for a set, cup of coffee, when you get a set of reservation to just drive through it and see mm-hmm. a bunch of lit up pumpkins, and it's it's cool. Don't get me wrong; it's very cool. The same way that Salem, Massachusetts, has dug in on what they have up there. Um, I did want to say this. Uh, this one, this is something that was remarkable to me. With that. Um, this one goes all the way back to uh, uh, Washington Irving was telling stories about like Rip Van Winkle was uh, an old Dutch tale about stuff that was going on in the uh, the, the mountains. All right. Um, now, the infamous, tell me which story you think this one might be, Dad. All right. Uh, Washington Irving's able to take a story and then um, collect it from the people and then put it out as a, a, a masterpiece of what we're going to call fiction. But this is stuff people really believe during the time. Uh, going all the way back to Irish folklore, Washington Irving must have heard this story about a creature known as the Doolahan. Now, Kahuna, if you want to bring up the Doolahan real quick. I really don't. It's pretty cool. You're, you're <laughs> going to like it, and you're going to know exactly what story right away. Doolahan, D-U-L-L-A. D-U-L-L-A-H-A-N, I believe. The Doolahan. Here you go. Um, so if you click on the image for that, and I'll share this too, um, but uh, just go to the images for that. What, oh, what do you see, Kahuna, when hey. you look at the Doolahan? Sleepy Hollow. Yes, the Doolahan headless is horseman. a headless horseman that rides at night. Now, you add a pumpkin for a little bit of flair. All right, pumpkins, they, yeah, we got them around here this time of year. Nah, I think the Doolahan is cooler. This dude's whip is his spine. <laughs> uh, you hope. <laughs> yeah, somebody's spine, anyhow. But uh, yeah, the Doolahan was a, a creepy figure from Irish folklore that uh, then Washington Irving was able to spin into the uh, the now famed headless horseman, and of course uh, the, uh, the the forever uh, chase of Ichabod Crane. Um, so that was fascinating to me here too. So now the reason I'm saying all this is it's not just a long diatribe to go down so that I can talk about the Doolahan, which I wanted to do. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because in 2010 or 2009 or 2010. I'm seeing the movie Paranormal Activity in theaters, and I'm losing my fucking mind. All right? I'm playing it cool because I was with two girls, one of them <laughs> I was living with at the time. And I think I've told this story before, too, on the, the show. But um, the next day, uh, when I'm alone in my house for the first time, after having seen that movie, which is one of the scariest movies I'd ever seen at that point, um, every sound in the house is now terrifying. Uh the girl I was uh, living with at the time, she had two cats that were fucking assholes. And uh, <laughs> they would jump up on stuff. They would knock things over. You'd freak out a little bit. And uh, this one story, and that's why I love my dog so much. We would just sit there holding each other. Literally, me and Eddie would sit there on the couch like uh, Scooby and Shaggy. Zoinks! <laughs> just kind of freaking out. But this is a pretty good story. Uh, one of uh, my ex's college roommates, um, very sweet girl, uh, was sleeping on our couch after having seen the movie with us, right? And she called me up freaking out because uh, something was trying to come into the house and it was moving the door handle. But the weird part was there was a window above the door handle and you could see that there was nothing on the other side of the window, right? It was just this door handle moving by itself and sporadically too, just out of nowhere. And she's freaked the fuck out and she's kind of uh, called me up on the phone, whatever. And I rush home. I was in welding school at the time after this post in between uh, duty stations. So I come running home or whatever, and uh, we're not seeing anything. And I poke my head outside, and I finally look over there, and I realize I see the thing moving itself too. It was right after we saw a paranormal activity, and I'm scared to hell and back. 
And uh, we open up the uh, the door, and what it was is that when I let my dog out in the morning to go to the bathroom before I went to welding school, one of her cats jumped outside, and I didn't see it. And the cat was jumping up and pulling down on the door handle in an attempt to open it. Oh, my God. So that's why we weren't seeing anything in the window. And meanwhile, me, this poor girl, and now my dog, who's just, you know, like literally, <laughs> again, I'm holding him in my arms like uh, Scooby and Shaggy. And we realized it was, oh, it's just the asshole cat. But the whole point of that story is because it's a good story. And much like the Doolahan got pulled from uh, and then Washington Irving presented it, um, this story of the Bell Witch is something that heavily influenced uh, paranormal activity, uh, also the Exorcist movies. Okay, you want to talk about a thing knowing things that it's not supposed to know? Right. And again, also a similar thing happens too with uh, um, the malevolent evil of Twin Peaks seems to know certain things about Agent Dale Cooper's life that only Agent Dale Cooper would know. And uh, that's all heavily influenced from the story of this omnipotent, occasionally mischievous um, entity that is still the subject of uh, some tourism down there and I guarantee will influence more pieces of art moving forward. Uh, it is not Ming Chen in uh, fishnets, folks. <laughs> in drag. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I will say this one. This one's going to come out. Uh, uh, let's see. Do I have time for this one? Let's see. It's it's the 5th. Today's October 5th. We're recording right now, Cajones. Shout out to Jake Perro too, by the way. Jake's been down since day one. Like I said, I even told him yesterday as I was leaving the gym when I saw him that uh, we were coming to record this. So um, I do have shows I want to plug. Uh, I, coming up on October 14th, 15th, Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. Legendary place. Bobcat Goldwaith got to start there, Cajona. And uh, I'll be uh, performing up there. It's my first full headlining weekend. If you're in the area, if you can send anybody out to the area, I want to make a good impression on the club. It's a legendary place. I'm so happy to be there. Uh, I was on... This most recent episode of uh, YKWD, Bobby Kelly's podcast, you know what, dude? So if you want to check that out, that was very fun. Uh, Bobby reveals some cool stuff and then uh, trashes me pretty great too. So. <laughs> but um, And we had a great time doing uh, the, the road weekends with him and uh, Jim Thorpe and also Newtown, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Bobby. I love you so goddamn much. You know that. Um, Side Splitters, November, Veterans Day week. I'll be down there uh, that the whole week. I'll be there uh, Thursday through Sunday. Thursday and Sunday, I'm headlining the shows. I believe Friday and Saturday I'm going to be featuring uh, for Josh Adam Myers from the Goddamn Comedy Jam. So uh, that'll be cool. He's actually got a pretty deep voice too, man, you know. So we're going to have a good time with that one, man. Please check us out. Side is one of my favorite clubs in the entire country, and I'm hoping we're going to have a great time over at Nick's. And these are going to be regular places you can come see me. The whole thing is this. I got told once by the great Derek, uh, Derek from Stress Factory, my friend. I don't want to reveal his last name because people are going to look him up and try to call him to find out how to get booked there. Um, but, Dad, this was a great piece of advice he gave me. He goes, KP, please remember. Any comedian you've ever met ever can headline any club once. <laughs> it's whether or not you get called back. Back again. So I'm getting my opportunities here, folks. All I'm asking for is you show up and you let me tell some jokes. All right. I have a good time doing it. It's been over 10 years in the books here. Uh, over four years on this podcast with you, Larry Burke. Anything you want to say to the good folks? Not over four years. We're working on the fourth year. We hit four years technically. All right. There's time off we took, but technically the show uh, was birthed in August. <laughs> we know because that, that's when we bring Mark Riccadonna on every okay. year. <laughs> um, but anything else? And by the way, if you guys have some cool, weird, spooky stuff from American history that you want us to talk about on the show here, we're always looking for new stuff. Send uh, them to KP, yeah, not uh, to me. Send them to me directly, and then I will leave voicemails describing them to Kahuna. You will not. I will block you. <laughs> <laughs> But best way to support the show is if you want to help us out over on Patreon for as little as $3 a month. If you can't do that, just go ahead and follow me over on Instagram. I'm trying to jump up the Instagram numbers. It's at KP Burke sucks over on Instagram. And again, Escape from Jacksonville, directed by the legendary uh, Christian Cordez. 
Uh, we're doing pretty good numbers on that. Support the clips. If you can, comment on it. If you haven't commented already. And it's fun, too, to me. If you guys write American Loser, I know that you listen to the podcast as well. And by the way, one of my favorite comments, I won't describe the full extent of it, but one of my favorite comments on uh, Bobby's most recent episode of uh, uh, his podcast, somebody just wrote in the comments, um, they wrote, uh, boo, so-and-so sucks. KP's great. And his podcast is even better. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, I, I just I love the connection we have with you guys, and I, I won't lie. Uh, Kahuna and my dad will uh, admit this. I was miserable coming in here. Uh, my schedule's been murder lately between everything that I'm doing, and then about two minutes into recording this show, uh, I just realized how lucky I am, and uh, I love getting to do this. And thank you very much. And we made it through, guys. There you go. This is where Kahuna tells me that uh, he forgot to hit record, and we got to do it over again. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Uh, that being said, folks, uh, on behalf of the Kahuna, uh, the Dilf, <laughs> and myself, thank you to Ming over to Shared Universe Podcast Studio here at the Bellworks in Homedale. My name was KP Burke, and that was the Bell Witch, American Loser. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born. Born.